So we broke it down into three three words, people, planet, and profits. As those are things that if we really focus on those, then you know something, we are able to be able to have sustainable communities. Hello, and welcome to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, brought to you by North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association. I'm your host, Ben Stockdale. Hello, Squeaky Clean listeners, and welcome to the 17th episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast. Bring in the latest in clean energy right to your ears. My name is Jarvis Harrington, the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast intern. Yes, you are. And Jarvis, I haven't told you this, but I was talking to someone the other day about the podcast and she posted on LinkedIn and Facebook. It was a twofer, social media, and they referred to you we as... We love a twofer. <laughs> they referred to you as the trusty intern. Wow. That is an honor. I feel like Scooby-Doo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that makes me shaggy. That's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're both icons and legends, so I'm not mad at it, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ben, where are you today? I am where you are supposed to be, my trusty intern, leaving me solo in the office. <laughs> I know, in the stew, in the studio, yeah. Well... Uh, today, I'm actually in the study lounge of my apartment. We're uh, doing the show long distance today, ladies and gentlemen. Nice, nice. You're coming through loud and clear. That's what matters. That's what matters. So, Ben, what are we talking about today on the pod? Wow. We have another great episode for you. So, today we're talking to Vice President of Corporate Affairs and Community Engagement for Coastal Credit Union. And it is a really holistic episode about clean energy and how it touches so many different communities and how really community service and clean energy are intrinsically linked and deliver that high impact of help and community service. Definitely. And Ben, honestly, I can't lie. After doing research on today's guest, um, and seeing the amount of boards that he's a part of, uh, uh, I think he might be a robot, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> to me, it really makes no sense how a human being can be uh, so actively engaged uh, in so many different communities. Yeah, I couldn't. I mean, it was it was a tough call. I mean, maybe he's like a, a human robot hybrid because he definitely right. looked human. Okay. But uh, but from the amount of boards and community service that he does, yes, he might be a, he might be a community service robot. So we want to give some shout outs to our listeners today. We have so many listeners across the country and across the globe. So who's getting our city shout out today, Jarvis? Our city shout out is going to Wilmington, North Carolina. We'd like to give you guys a squeaky clean shout out. Now, Ben, where is our um, country shout out going to today? Yes, we are saying konnichiwa to our listeners in Japan. 
Konnichiwa. So thanks for listening. We're so glad you're interested in clean energy in North Carolina, in the Southeast, in the U.S. So thanks for listening. And Jarvis, without further ado, should we jump into this episode? Let's hit it. Clean energy. Our guest today is an accomplished financial professional and a financial education and community advocate for over 20 years on a local as well as national level. He currently serves as the Vice President of Corporate Affairs and Community Engagement after successfully holding the position of Vice President of Retail Sales and Service at Coastal Federal Credit Union. He has held upper-level management positions at RBC Bank such as U.S. Director of Sales Communications, Community Development Specialist, Manager of Business Banking Strategy for North America, Chapel Hill Market Executive, and Banking Center Manager of nine different locations. He also has extensive community service experience, serving on nonprofit boards such as, and get ready because this list is long, Triangle Family Services, Orange County Partnership for Young Children, the Chapel Hill Carborough Chamber of Commerce Executive Board, NC Jumpstart, the Greater Raleigh Chamber of Commerce, the Business Advisory Council of Durham Public Schools, the Foundation for a Sustainable Community, Wake Technical College Foundation, Wake Med Foundation, the Keenan Fellows Education Institute, the Caring Community Foundation, the Triangle Martin Luther King Leadership Committee, Habitat for Humanity, and the YMCA. Wow, he is very involved. He currently serves as the founder and inaugural chairperson for the Morrisville Innovation Foundation's Executive Board, as well as the North Carolina Council on Economic Education. He was also the founder of the Business and Education Partnership in Chapel Hill and the University Banking Initiative, which mobilized bankers to present financial literacy topics throughout the triangle. He is a graduate of the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, as well as the North Carolina School of Banking. Most recently, he has been selected as a winner of the Triangle Business Journal's inaugural Corporate Philanthropy Awards for his outstanding community and philanthropic work. One of Kerry Magazine's movers and shakers as well as various awards and recognition based on his contributions as a leader in his community, state, nationally, and globally. He works on committees with the National Center for Financial Service Innovation and the Regional Transportation Alliance. He is a huge supporter of clean energy in the triple bottom line of community sustainability and enjoys spending time presenting various professional and motivating topics at public events as well as with his wife and three small kids. Friends of the pod, let's give a squeaky clean welcome to today's very special guest, Creighton Blackwell. Creighton, welcome to the pod. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, we're really happy to have you. You know, I mean, I have a lot of guests on the show and uh, we've had a lot of different perspectives. And as I continue to have guests, everyone has said, oh, you got to get Creighton on the pod. You got to get Creighton on the pod. So we're really excited to finally have you on here. Absolutely. Uh, very excited to be here and simply to be able to have this conversation and, and talk about the things that are very important to us because one way or another, all we're talking about here still is community. It's still about people. It's still how we can make impact. It's still how we can better people's lives. That's not just a general 
uh, thing that is put out. You hear it often said, but it's different when it's genuine and it's the work that we do. So I appreciate everything that you all do to live to that and just look forward to this conversation. Absolutely. Well, let's jump right into it. Creighton, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what role sustainability plays in the work that you do? Sure. So since I graduated from the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill back in 1995, I had a degree in industrial relations is what I graduated with that truly went under the heading of sociology, psychology, and economics. Really, it's built for business management because once I looked at where I thought that I could have impact is that I would be able to, whatever the industry is, I would be able to make impact on people's lives, whether regardless of the business. So I decided to choose to go through the financial route of that because I saw just how important it was for people to understand finances. I watched people struggle. I watched people lose houses. I watched how decisions about money really negatively and in some cases positively impacted people. Now, And I looked at it and said, what's my impact there? I, I can make that impact by becoming, you know, going into the financial industry and really learning how to do that there. So it became about not just looking at loans, not just looking at accounts, but truly being able to look at people as a whole, look at businesses as a whole, look at now our environment as a whole to say, how can you truly help? Everyone talks about how you help people, but this was going to be, I think, an avenue when I looked at this career to say, no, go deeper than that, because you can define help in lots of different ways. Just because I gave you a loan does not mean that I actually helped your situation. And going this way in this background, it really helped me sort of kind of redefine that more holistically. So I looked at community. I looked at uh, when I learned more about the triple bottom line, uh, sustainability, and looking at the environmental stewardship and looking at the social justice and looking at the the financial uh, prosperity. All of those three pillars as to how you sustain community, it all came into focus for me. And it came that way early on. So I I truly became kind of a, a professional, if you will, who was always looking to bring all of those things into together. Because I said, then that's how I can define help. Mm -hmm. It's a real great, easy, holistic way to define help. If I'm touching all of those things, so how can I now collaborate? How can I bring all these things together? And that truly led me through a lot of my different positions that I've had within the financial industry. And then led me to uh, where I'm at today and to a lot of the partnerships and a lot of things that we try to bring together. You do a lot of community service work. That's obviously very core to who you are as a person. What do you want your impact to be? Truly defined as, if I've used this holistic definition of help, the impact I truly want to have is to be able to make sure that it's a tangible definition of help and that it's easily seen. 
and the more people that you can help, and I mean really be able to better their condition, whether that is in a financial way, whether that is in a housing affordability way, whether that is in clean energy, how we are able to define help, not the anecdotal help, because we hear that a lot, but you know you have real impact when you can actually really better someone's condition, Mm -hmm. how they're living, how they are able to move day to day, the convenience, those, when you can really do that, you know you're making impact. And there's a lot of people who will say they're helping. There's a lot of organizations that says they make an impact. Can you measure that? It's different if, if it's not a tangible measurement to be able to say, that that's true or not. It's easy to say it's a little bit harder to live. To me, impact meaning you did change a life today. Someone's life is better because of the work that you did. And if you can show that, that should drive all of our activities whenever we're talking community or whatever, whenever we're talking some of the policies that we take care of, the policies here that you all focus so much and work so hard in, the policies and, and the behaviors that much of the listeners that you all drive, when you're driving that for positivity, that's impact. Mm. That's where we want to make sure we're focusing behavior. That's where we want people to, to take their passion, take their talents, take um, that purpose and drive it to moving that needle and bettering that condition. So you you mentioned it, but I was hoping you could go further into, first of all, telling our listeners, if they're not familiar, what is the triple bottom line? You know, what initially got you interested in that concept and how is it driving the work that you're doing now? So the triple bottom line, originally, as it was uh, first introduced to me under the three pillars of saying, these are those three things that if you're taking care of those, if you're doing well in those, that's how communities can be sustainable. That's how they can continue to be strong and continue to grow. And those three things are the three legs of the pillar, if you will, are the economic um, financial prosperity, environmental stewardship, And the third one is social justice. Now, we got to a point in the the movement where you felt like, okay, we need to simplify this a little bit more so that everyone can understand. Because some people may not truly understand, so what do you mean by environmental uh, stewardship, right? So we broke it down into three, three words, people, planet, and profits. As those are things that if we really focus on those, then you know something, we are able to be able to have sustainable communities. Those three things together truly has shaped a lot of my leadership strategies in my career. I I look at the connection, the intersection of all those things and how we want to rebuild community. What are those types of policies that you're looking at? And if I'm looking at out of those three lenses, where is it? Where is that impact? To go back to what we talked about before, if it's not impacting one, because in many cases we look at those as isolated silos, they truly work together in so many different ways, but we don't look at it that way. So holistically, I'm always trying to figure out. Well, wait a minute. 
So how does some of the things that we're doing in clean energy, how does that affect social, certain social justice issues that's out there? And how does that affect still the financial piece? How does that affect people's money? How is it affordable for uh, uh, certain folks to be able to have certain clean energy product? And is there a social justice context to that, right? Being able to look at that holistically is what the, the triple bottom line of sustainability really was focused on. Mm-hmm. And that's something that it, it is a view, a filter that I look at a lot of the opportunities to impact our communities um, daily. What role do financial institutions play in the advancement of clean energy and clean energy resources? Financial institutions are the, as I like to say sometimes, we're the purveyors of all the financial knowledge. There's not too many things that goes through people's lives, businesses, where have you, that doesn't involve money. The financial institutions, of course, are the the mechanisms of the behaviors and how money is used back and forth. So there's not many industry that does not have some impact when it comes to the financial institutions. One of the ways that financial institutions can continue to really make more impact here is how does it really help in the saving of money? How does it actually invest in some of those programs, clean energy programs that are set up to be affordable in certain types of housing? Mortgage lending is huge in the financial industry. Um, Developing a property, developing a real estate, all of those things is some of the baselines that happens within financial industry. It's a natural partner in many of the cases that we're talking about and how you do certain developing, certain construction. Um, much of your policy, what are the incentives that you do in some of your clean energy that once again are able to be able to save people money to come back to that purveyor type of stance. It's an, an integral partner to clean energy and specifically to the growth of it as you continue to translate it to the financial industry to say, this is how it's affecting people's dollars. This is how it affects how people live. And when you're marrying that, now you see even more what, how big of a partner it truly can be. How do, how do financial institutions look at clean energy? Do you think, do you look at it as an emerging technology? Do you look at it as something that has some roots here in North Carolina? I mean, what are, what are, those, what are some of the general thoughts on clean energy from the financial industry? Well, I think it depends on the, the institution itself. Uh, certain institutions uh, look at it some way. I think the opportunity is still being able to translate what exactly clean energy is to many people, to some lay people, they're not able to define it as to, well, what type of program are you actually talking about? Like, you know, how do you get to a point where you can define it? Is it a traditional commercial loan? In some cases, no, it's not. So one of the things that I I would say is some of it would depend on do you have true people who are clean energy specialists 
that's inside some of your financial institutions. I think that's a, an opportunity, especially growing in the future, to be able to have some of those specialists that's able to, we talked about translating it a little bit. So I think it is, it's a great opportunity to continue for the financial institutions to learn more about how they can actually be very, um, be more impactful. In some cases, I would say that is something that it takes that partnership that we're talking about. It takes that, that translation in many cases to be able to understand and be able to show how you can be even more impactful. Mm. So you do a lot of work trying to make equitable solutions in communities and advancing equity in the communities that you work in. At NCSEA, it's very important for us to advance an equitable clean energy future. We talk about equity a lot on the show. What does equity mean to you and how, what should we keep in mind when we're trying to advance a clean energy future that's equitable? What are some things that we need to keep in mind? Um, I think one of the key issues whenever the term equitable comes up is that equitable does not mean equal. And I think this is a mistake when many people hear it that means that, you know, something has to be equal. Well, I don't think that from my studying of the term equitable, that's not the truth. Because there are so many people who, it's not that things are equal for them because if you move the same rate at an equal standpoint, it doesn't mean that you're all going to get to the same spot. I sometimes will will tell people, and it's a very easy uh, equation, that if we have a goal and you're trying to get to 100 and both are starting at 25, and one group then goes to 50, but the other group was not able to do any, they weren't given the resources to move away from 25. If you give them now the equal amount, one group gets, if you give them both 50, one group gets to 100, the other group gets to 75. That's not equitable. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's not the definition of that. And it truly goes to how those that are missing, especially from a, a clean energy or from a financial standpoint, how do you give more to make things equitable? What are those other resources? What are those, those other translations like we talked about earlier? Uh, how do you target those? Because there's some people that's going to have to understand and get a different type of clean energy policy that they're now going to be able to be impacted more than others because they didn't have that. They were not equitable in how it was distributed to them to start with. They're starting at a much lower base than others. And you can go to different areas where, hey, there are some areas where this clean energy thing is a big conversation. It's a hot conversation. There's many more people that you're able to talk to that understand it. Some of those probably have some more policy. They have some some more companies that are doing more things to be able to really advance this versus another that really, that could be literally two counties away 
but they don't have that. How do you approach them if you approach them equally? Are you going to get the same impact? If you give that same equal amount of resource to one that knows all about it, they have more, are they going to be able to do something different than the group that didn't? The group that never had the access to it, the group that never had your attention from an equity standpoint may need more of your attention. They may need more of that translation that we're talking about as to why it's so important. That's not equal effort, but it is effort that might be more equitable for them to be able to get to the same or greater spots that we're trying to get everyone to. Central to the clean energy conversation is affordability. That's, you know, for with when we want more clean energy, we want more clean, affordable, reliable, equitable energy. What is more affordable energy going to mean for low and moderate income folks? It means that they have access. It means it, it also it gets rid of some myths, right? There's some myths out there that at times the clean energy movement is only for it can it's only for those that can afford it. It's only for a certain size house. It's only for a certain size development that many, if you are, if many low to moderate income simply cannot have. They simply cannot afford clean energy. The myth that needs to be broken is that that's not true. That's what it means to so many people who could now really be able to have these access to the benefits of clean energy. The benefits that that means for the environment as a whole, that because they are worried about how do I make my rent? How do I make my mortgage payment? How do I make my car payment? I cannot conceive or think about what I'm going to do with this clean energy theory that you have today. Many will feel that they cannot participate in that, that that's a, clean energy is a luxury. So the, the opportunity is, so it's not something that's uh, that you cannot afford let's break bust that myth and it it, here is the full importance to it and you also at this part of your life where you're living that you also can take those benefits that's a huge opportunity for many people to be able to participate in and in some cases they just don't know once again, we go back to the translation, right? And really being able to understand. It, it would mean a lot for people. I think you would see more participation in simply the concept of clean energy. You have more people participate in it with more affordable product that they understand is affordable and people understand it's for them to use, not just a certain segment of our community and society. Going forward, how do you see clean energy and sustainability evolving to serve more communities? The more we continue, and I'm going to go back to this part of it because I, I speak about it a lot, 
it will grow the more that we can continue to des uh, describe it to the layperson, to what it means. The more that we can translate that, the more it grows, the more participation you have, the more people who would champion it. Um, if I don't understand it or if I don't know it, it's hard for me to champion it. Mm. The more m massive this grows, the more people would grow with it. And the more people that would grow with it, the more you make the impact that we're all looking to make. Well, Creighton, thank you so much for joining us on this show today. You've been an awesome guest. We learned a lot about, about your background, and we learned a lot about the impact that clean energy can make along with community service and how those two things are tied together. So we really appreciate that perspective. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. We really appreciated having you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. Um, once again, we appreciate everything that you all do and will continue to partner to see how we can continue to impact community. Thank you. And there you have it, folks, the 17th episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast. Bring in the latest in clean energy right to your ears. Yes, sir. So it turns out I've channeled my inner Scooby-Doo mystery senses, and I figured out <laughs> that Creighton's heart is way too big for him to be a robot. And I thought, ruh -ru Raggy, he might actually be human. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> worst. No, that, that was good. That was good. That was good. That was, thank, you. thank you for that, Jarvis. So. I appreciate that. But definitely on a more serious note, I thought it was extremely interesting to hear Creighton's insight on sustainability in local communities, more specifically lower income communities. Um, I think one of the most interesting points he made on today's show was the association between clean energy and luxury. I believe that many people today think that the clean energy and sustainability conversation and movement is something that only wealthy people can participate in or concern themselves with. And I think the most important thing that Creighton said on today's podcast was that it is important to communicate the reality that clean energy is a part of providing an equitable solution for challenges in all communities, regardless of socioeconomic status. And Ben, what do you think your key takeaway was? So my key takeaway was going back to what Creighton said about defining impact. Obviously, Creighton is primarily concerned with optimizing and maximizing his efforts to help all communities, but particularly low-income communities. Correct. And, and the thing that he said that I thought was most important is that defining impact has to include the tangible benefits to communities. Yes. And that really spoke to me because I see clean energy as being one of those tangible benefits. You know, you have solar panels, in your community. Maybe mm -hmm. you have a microgrid. Maybe your local utility is doing energy efficiency upgrades and you're participating in that. So for me, it comes back to defining impact as a tangible benefit. Yes, Ben, I definitely agree. That's huge. So what do we have on tap for the next episode? We are going to be covering 2010. 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, all the way up to 2020, we're doing a 
decade in review for clean energy in North Carolina. And I'm really excited because we're bringing on a guest that we have talked about but haven't had on the show, and that's NCSEA's Executive Director, Ivan Erlob. It's going to be a great episode, so that's going to come out on December 31st. So stay tuned for that one. We're going to be covering the entire 2010s, and then we're going to come back in the next day on January 1st for a forward-looking decade in the future. So we're looking at the 2020s, talking about what's going to happen, making predictions for the future. We're even going to be talking about what 2050 is going to look like. So we're jumping in the time machine and we're going backwards and then we're going forwards and we can't wait to share this awesome content with you. It'll definitely be an incredible episode and an awesome way for our squeaky clean listeners to finish out the year with us and to start the year with us. Absolutely. So thank you so much for listening to this episode today. We hope that you were able to take home some nuggets of wisdom from Creighton, and we will see you on December 31st. Have a good one.